Do you know some people who know where it is? I think I do. Dealers. Certain dealers know where it is. Certain people in the art market know where it is. Have you ever asked somebody, so where is it? I've asked them many times. Three people. <laughs> I've asked three people consistently. Um, four people. I'm not sure they know. In general, when people don't know where a painting is, they say it's in a private collection in Switzerland. That's the standard response. Like Cynthia Saltzman, I myself have heard from many people on the down low that Van Gogh's portrait of Dr. Gachet is in Switzerland. There's even a name that's been mentioned a few times, Guido Barilla. So, a pasta maker allegedly has this painting. The BBC even reported on the supposed acquisition in 2004. And former Frankfurt newspaper journalist Constanze Cruvel had told me about it as well. Back then, we... You wouldn't even believe what we did. It was off-season, and we called and asked all the museums we could think of and arrived at the most probable explanation. That it's being stored somewhere in Switzerland on a lake. And we wondered who in fact lives there. And then, an unforgettable moment, we realized Barilla must have it. Because he's a huge collector. A colleague of Mrs. Cruvel's even managed to get through to the boss for research purposes. And said, I have just a question. Do you own the Dr. Gachet by Van Gogh? What? Dr. Gachet? <laughs> no. It was actually quite convincing. Did it really sound convincing? He somehow convinced us. This is the fifth and final episode of Finding Van Gogh, my search for the last Van Gogh painting, the portrait of Dr. Gachet. My name is Johannes Nichelmann. My research began half a year ago in the storage room of the Städel Museum in Frankfurt, where I stood before the now-empty picture frame. Even the Städel itself has been looking for the portrait, which hasn't been part of its collection since 1937. But the search has proved fruitless. Instead, the empty picture frame will hang in the large Van Gogh exhibition in the fall of 2019. It stands as a reminder of the painting's incredible history. I traveled to France, Switzerland, the UK and the US, on the trail of the painting story which spans over 130 years. I met people who told me that the portrait of Dr. Gachet has played a major part in their lives and learned about key historical figures who have been connected with the work as well. But after all this, one question remains. Where is the piece today? After an historical Christie's auction in 1990, the wealthy Japanese businessman Ryuei Saito took home the painting. Since then, the painting is missing. Art historian Cynthia Saltzman is as interested as I am in finding out exactly where it is. Um, so the Frankfurt Museum has tried to borrow it, and they know. No, they don't know, but they know people who know. Okay. See, that's it, right? We know people who know. What we do know, the painting is no longer in Ryoei Saito's possession in Japan. The businessman died just a few years after he purchased this painting, 
What happened to Dr. Gachet in Japan after the auction in New York? Journalist Stefan Kolderhoff has been studying the case for years. The painting was then brought to a storage facility in Japan, outside of Tokyo. There, not even Saito's family members were allowed inside to view it. Apparently, only Saito himself. His son recalled that there was only one occasion for which his father took the painting out of storage. One evening, when he invited important business partners for dinner in a restaurant. Here, the piece was presented to the guests basically as a prestige object. But then, just two years later, Saito's company, which was in the paper industry, ran into some financial troubles. Eventually, Saito was then caught for bribing a governor for permission to build a golf course, which amusingly would have been named Vincent. He was arrested on bribery charges and sentenced to prison. When he was sent to jail, he even warned jokingly, When I die, I'm taking Gachet with me into the grave, to be cremated with my ashes. In 1996, a few weeks after his death, it was, however, pretty clear that this was only a joke. Fuji Bank in Tokyo now owned his assets, including his art collection which also included an extremely expensive Renoir, the Bal du Melon de la Galette, that he had purchased a few days after buying Gachet. The bank thus took possession of these pieces and showed them to various potential buyers. I've spoken to art dealers in New York who've told me they've seen the painting in a safe in Fuji Bank in Tokyo. It does exist. So it definitely wasn't cremated with the owner in Japan. But then, what happened to it? After the purchase of Dr. Gachet, a financial crisis in Asia burst the art market bubble. There was virtually no one inside who would buy such an expensive piece, neither in Japan or anywhere else. At some point, the bank realizes that it isn't very experienced in this league of the art trade and commissions Sotheby's auction house to sell the piece. For seven or eight million, they acquired just the right to sell it. And much, much, much later, it became public that a man named Wolfgang Flottel, an Austrian investment bank who negotiated for the union-owned Bavag Bank, where he ran an extremely risky so-called Caribbean business. The business then flunks and Flottel has to disclose his private assets to confess to the business-related accusations. Dr. Gachet pops up in the court papers as one of Flottel's assets. Or rather, of that of one of his subsidiary companies, known as F3 in the Bahamas. An investment trust for his art collection that he had acquired on behalf of the Austrian bank was then sold to an unknown buyer in 1998, the person who has apparently owned it ever since. Do you know where it is? I know someone who says he knows where it is. I've tried to get in touch with Austrian investment banker Wolfgang Flöttl, who bought the portrait of Dr. Gachet from Saito. But without any results. Instead, I go after another clue and visit someone who was involved with the deal in 1998. Maybe through this contact, I'll find out where the painting is. 
Hello, Mr. Nash. Nice to meet you. I'm Johannes Wiffelmann. David Nash owns a gallery in New York and is one of the most famous art dealers in the US. In the beginning of the 1990s, during the Flutter story, he worked at Sotheby's. I introduced myself in an email and told him I'd like to learn more about Dr. Gachet's whereabouts. Have you ever met Siegfried Kramarski and Lola Kramarski? Uh, no. I know their son, Werner Kramarski. Yeah. He's very old now, though. He's 92, I guess, right? Excuse me one second, yeah. would you? Uh, hello there. Yes, sir. Yes. It's 35 million. <laughs> it was appraised at it was appraised at 40 million by Sotheby's. Yeah. I think they'll I think they'll listen to an offer too. Very good. Okay. Bye. Sorry, I'll turn this off. Let me just get this all straight in my memory so I can be helpful. Which is the, which is the history of the painting that you want to concentrate on now, though? We wanted to concentrate on the part after the auction, because Sotheby's sold it after the Japanese owner Saito died, right? That is correct, yes. And you left Sotheby's in summer 1996? Uh, that is also correct, yes. And Saito died in March 1996. I wasn't responsible, not, not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but um, you maybe um, help finding the, the buyer, Wolfgang Flötter, this Austrian investment banker. Yes. Yes, is this true? Uh, well, I had left Sotheby's by then, so I um, was, um, but Flottel was a client of mine at Sotheby's and afterwards. Yeah. Um, I wasn't representing Sotheby's in the transaction at all. Um, but I knew Flottel, knew him quite well. But he must have started making his money about 1991 or 1992, because I remember very vividly that at the, at the very sort of lowest point of the market, somebody had decided to sell a group of nice Impressionist paintings, including a, a Degas racehorse scene. It was. It brought a very high price, and we were all astonished. You know, who who is that out there who's paying? Japanese aren't buying. Who who else is it? And eventually, it turned out that it was Wolfgang Flottel, and um, that was the first painting he bought for his collection. So um, he was buying from 1991 until about um, 1998, I would think. Did he bought it um, because he was in, in love with art, or was it kind of an investment for him? What do you think? Well, I couldn't really tell you. All I do know is he bought very well. He, he had a good eye, and he, he bought extremely good pictures. He never actually had a place where he lived with his paintings, but he was a, a very good collector in the sense of he knew what he wanted, and he was prepared to pay He was, he, was, he was very bold about how much he was prepared to pay. And he, um, he put together some fantastic, a collection of some fantastic paintings. Not only this painting, um, but also he bought, at the same time as Dr. Gachet was sold at Christie's, a, a famous Renoir, Moulin de Galette. And that brought just very slightly less than um, Dr. Gachet. He could be 
quite firm and, and, and he, he could lose his temper. But I think when you're handling those sums of money, it makes you tense. <laughs> in, which, in which situations uh, do, you, do you saw him being very intense and like this? Oh, in, during negotiations, for instance. Um, and I was, quite often I was on the telephone with him um, and he would be somewhere else and I would be in the sales room on the telephone and he would be giving me bids um, and I would bid on his behalf, you know. Um, and uh, sometimes he would get very, very, uh, very tense and wound up and, and, and uh, on several occasions I had to make him stop bidding. <laughs> so I said, you're paying too much. <laughs> But he was... Um, Once he got involved in, in, in competitive bidding, he, he really liked to, to win. What if he didn't win? Well, there was one occasion I know when he was really mad at me because I told him to stop bidding. Um, it was a Picasso, a blue period Picasso, portrait of Angel Fernandez de Soto, which he was the underbidder, he didn't get it. How did your contact with him stop? So when and why? It stopped. I guess after his, uh, after he was, he had to go back to Austria, I believe, to face the the uh, the trial. I think that's when we sort of were no longer able to communicate because uh, I think he wasn't allowed to leave the country for quite a long time. But I saw him again a few times after that when he came back didn't have any business to do. Flottel had to sell all of his paintings. I forget what year that was in, but it must have been about 1998 or something like that. He had a, a large loan from Sotheby's. So Sotheby's handled most of the uh, sales. I, I handled a few of them. Um, but Sotheby's handled the resale of this painting. And my understanding is that they sold it to a, an Italian collector who already owns four or five other major Van Gogh paintings and who is living in Switzerland. Okay. Is, and also the uh, Gachet painting? That's what I was talking about. Did I hear that correctly? David Nash, one of the most prominent art dealers in the United States, has known me for 10 minutes and he's already giving me his detailed speculation on who had the portrait of Dr. Gachet. I am perplexed. Wasn't it supposed to be a secret? He tells me as if everyone already knew. And he is the current owner, so there's, you know that there, nobody bought it after this guy from it Italy? As far as I know. Uh, I also understand that this Italian collector is dead. Um, he's uh, very secretive. And I think the painting belongs to his family, while the family is sorting out what to do with it. If Nash's version of the family drama is true, then the painting can't be in the Barilla family's possession. Guido Barilla, the owner and art collector, is still alive. But if it's not there, then where is it? Do you think we all will see this picture again or not? From Inevitably, your... yes, yes. I think... There's a greater chance now than when it was in Saito's possession. Yes, I think it will emerge.
Wolfgang Flötel is somewhere here, in this vast metropolis. I bet you anything, he knows where the Gachet portrait is. David Nash didn't want to give me a specific name or confirm any speculation about who the current owner could be. He was just as reluctant to give out Flötel's contact information. I had so many questions for the former investment banker. Why did he buy it and, as David Nash claimed, just hide it away, without even hanging it up? Sultan of the Emir, the Emir of Qatar, or who? Excuse me? It is the palace of the Emir of Qatar. Ah, really? Wow, in your neighborhood. Do you live here in this area? I do. Lovely area. It is. It's a very <laughs> nice area, yeah. We've got UN reps, representatives. Ah, I see, And yeah. when the Pope comes from the Vatican, I, I have an ID, but if he's outside walking around, I can't go home. Who are you waiting for? It's a small world in New York, after all. That's why I let the kind woman know that I'm looking for Wolfgang Flötel, a former art collector who supposedly lives here. In this area, she says, there's a whole lot of art. A lot of very nice art in some of these private homes, I'll tell you that yeah. right now. Yeah. Including the scream, I know where that is, you know. But, yeah. uh, you know, okay. I think you we're have, having fun. Do you have famous art in your apartment? No. No, why not? <laughs> because I'm not that rich. <laughs> but she does have one tip for me. She writes down a website where I can apparently help myself. The website is, drumroll please, the white pages. But it turns out to be useful. I find an address and write him a letter. I tell him I would like to ask him a few questions about his time with Dr. Gachet. All that's left is to wait for his reply. In the meantime, I want to learn about how it all works, investing in art. I asked German art market expert Stefan Kolderhoff. Wie funktioniert das mit diesem Investment-Gedanken? Also ich kaufe mir ein Bild. So I just buy a piece of art for a lot of money and then hope that the value is preserved so that I can sell it on later to someone else. Yes, for the most part, it's that simple. But if we dig a bit deeper, we might concern ourselves with the questions, what money am I using? Was it earned legally or illegally? Or am I laundering the money through art? Transactions are often settled in cash, especially in galleries. Nowadays, there are money laundering laws that curb the practice to some extent. But most art dealers in the galleries couldn't care less if the money comes from a bank account or cash. I heard that one of the most expensive pieces at an art fair, a lying nude portrait by Renoir, was purchased through a WhatsApp message. Yes, we'll take it. Everything else was arranged with a handshake. The art dealer is assured he doesn't have to sell it anymore and he gets the money from his buyer. It's all pretty archaic, really. It almost resembles circumstances in the 19th century. The funny thing is that the people on the art market claim there is something secret, something inherent in this market, which is found nowhere else. There is no law that dictates that an investigative authority can't come and ask where Dr. Gachet is, was, or to whom it was sold. But the players then play with ancient rules and claims in a way that seems so simply to belong to this business. I'm asking David Nash why he thinks that people like Fettel want to hide that they own famous and very expensive paintings. I don't know. Um, 
one of the great paintings that he bought was uh, a Picasso called Le Rêve, The Dream, and he bought that at Christie's, and by around 2001, 2002, he was, Flottel became a seller. He gave that painting to me to sell. I was on my own then, not part of Sotheby's. And I sold it to a casino owner called Steve Wynn. The painting was uh, held by Flottel in a warehouse in Switzerland. So, close the sale, the painting was sent over here to me for Wynn to look at. When we took it out of the crate, it was the first time that that painting had been out of the crate in uh, six years. It had stayed, since Flottel had bought it and sent it to Switzerland, it had stayed in the same crate. So I imagine that he was looking at it as not something to hang on the wall, but a collateral for a loan or an, an asset to protect. But why Switzerland? Flutter himself lives in New York. I want to find out what the deal is with these storage facilities. I know these aren't just any old storage rooms. They are actually tax-free warehouses that have been widely criticized. They are often the site of money laundering, where artwork can easily be hidden and where the authorities have little to no power to enforce anything. Of course, the people using these sorts of places always say, this is ridiculous, the authorities could come and check up on us at any time. So, this debate is highly emotional. I've spoken to critics, art dealers, lawyers and users of the tax-free storage facilities. Gottfried Böhm, the art historian from Switzerland, hits the nail on the hat. Man muss es auch nicht mystifizieren. Wissen Sie, das ist, das ist so aufregend wie ein Banktrust. Let's not mystify it. These things are about as interesting as a bank vault. Nämlich gar nicht. Basically, they are. Das ist sowas langweilig. They're as boring as a bank vault. They're coffins. Das sind Leichenhäuser. They're morgues. The pieces just lay around and wait for eternity. So, you're saying, if Dr. Gachet is laying around there somewhere at this very moment, it's basically dead? All pictures are. They're always dead, in one respect. All that emphasis on liveliness, which I share in principle, has a flip side. Namely, that all things are, in the end, just things, mortal lying around in boxes. Wenn sie nicht angeschaut werden, sind sie einfach Dinge und liegen da in der Kiste. I am reminded of how I stood at Van Gogh's grave in France, where people from all over the world came to scatter their ashes. And I'm reminded of Saito in Japan, who all but jokingly threatened to take Dr. Gachet with him to his grave. And now the painting, if it's not buried underground, has been lying around in a box somewhere for several decades, it almost doesn't make a difference. Maybe the portrait of Dr. Gachet, just like its artist Vincent van Gogh, really is as dead as it is alive. What do you think would uh, Dr. Gachet bring these days if the uh, family who owns it would say, okay, we 
going up the salad. Um, David Nash ponders for a while. He's thinking about the unbelievable prices that Christie's has earned for works like Savato Mundi. Supposedly at Leonardo, they were sold in 2017 for $450 million. But what about the gachet? I think it probably will bring $250 million. I started work at Sotheby's when I was 19. In November of 1961, there was a, an, an Impressionist painting sale, which was my first sale. I, I knew nothing about the art world, and I was a picture handler. I had to show this, the contents of this sale to, to people when they came in. And I remember somebody coming in and saying, it's a disgrace that these paintings are being sold commercially. They belong to the whole world. We should all be allowed to see them and not just one rich man hang, have them hanging on his walls. And, you know, I, I had absolutely no understanding of the art market at this point. And I thought, well, maybe he has a point. But then I quickly realized, or not quickly, but I began to realize that you are making it with the idea that it will be owned by somebody, not by the world. If you love art so much, Uh, you can spend $10 and go to the Metropolitan Museum and see more than you can manage in a, in a, in a week, you know. To, to make art available to everybody is a very um, democratic ideal, but ridiculous. <laughs> it's not a new idea. It's very, very old that masterpieces are, in a way, owned by everybody or should be owned by everybody. And people will learn the most from them, and more masterpieces will be produced if people actually have a chance to see them. Um, yes, I can understand it from the private collector's point of view. I like to think that they have some sort of obligation to put it in a public collection and let it be seen. Weeks later, I meet Alexander Eiling again at the Städel Museum in Frankfurt. I want to tell him all about my research, about my encounters all over Europe and the US. And while I'm testing my recording device, I ask him a question off the cuff that I never expect to receive a satisfying answer for. Have you found Gachet since our last meeting? Yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah. Where is it then? In Switzerland. Really? So you found out that it's in Switzerland? Yes. Do you know where in Switzerland? Do you really know? I do know. Where is it? I'm not allowed to say. So what Nash said was true. Yes, but it wasn't Barilla. Did you talk to the owners? They're very discreet. They don't want any of that. So how did you finally find out? A colleague of mine told me, there are several pieces in the collection and a few colleagues were searching for other paintings. And then it eventually became clear where it could be and where it is. And what about the family dispute? It's all true. Wow. <laughs> All the pieces fit together. 
Das ist das Ergebnis. And that's the result. That was Finding Van Gogh, a podcast series by the Städte Museum in Frankfurt. If you haven't had enough of Van Gogh yet, we recommend you take a look at the Städte Museum's multimedia digitorial. You can find it at fangoch.städtemuseum.de. There you can learn more about how Van Gogh became so popular in Germany in the 20th century and how strongly he has influenced other modern artists. And if you enjoyed Finding Van Gogh, please help spread the word by recommending us to others. Finding Van Gogh is a podcast of the Städte Museum in Frankfurt. Jakob Schmidt and I, Johannes Nichelmann, are the authors and producers of Finding Van Gogh. Sarah Omar is responsible for the idea for this podcast and the project management. The project was supervised by Pamela Rode. The commissioning editors are Sarah Omar together with Anna Huber and Alexander Eiling, Iris Schmeisser and Chantal Eschenfelder supported the content editing with their scientific expertise. The voices are Jenny Schilly, Marietta Schwarz, Annette Jaspun, Thomas Stecher, Stefan Bergel, Sean Lawton, Peter Becker, Benjamin Yates and Jakob Schmidt. Translation, Anna Borrero, Raphael Wüstner and Benjamin Yates. We'd like to thank our interviewees, especially Cynthia Saltzman, who in her 1998 book The Portrait of Dr. Gachet reconstructed the history of the painting for the first time and who spent a great deal of time with us in New York talking about her research. We'd like to warmly thank Inka Drögemüller and also the curators Alexander Eiling and Felix Krämer, who arranged for this podcast to be created along with the exhibition Making Van Gogh. Also thanks to Stefan Kolderhoff, Christopher Birch, Anna Huber, Iris Schmeisser, Maike Hoffmann, Dominik Janssens, Martin Sonnabend, Andreas Hansert, Konstanze Krüvel, Ewald Radke, Gottfried Böhm, Dirk Boll, Giovanna Bettazzoni and David Nash. Furthermore, we would also like to thank a number of people who have supported us with their thoughts, expertise and energy. These people can be found on our podcast website and in the show notes. Finding Van Gogh is a 2019 production. <laughs>